Assalamualaikum guys, welcome back to the Fedika podcast um, Today obviously we wish we had better circumstances But um, we had the pleasure of having the team at ICV on Sister Sarah Barini and brother Adil Salman who's the president of the ICV They're the pig body that uh, pretty much represents the Muslim community in Victoria um, Yeah we just spoke a little bit about how the pig body deals with situations such as the current situation in Palestine How they advocate for us as Muslims within the community um, just speaking about strategies and the overall effect of it on their relations with other faith pig bodies and much more. But don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. Um, and yeah, free Palestine. Welcome back to the Fair Income Podcast. Um, today we have two very special guests, both representing the Islamic Council of Victoria, which is the ICV, as some know, that's the pig body that uh, represents the Muslim community within uh, Metropolitan Melbourne and Metropolitan Victoria. Uh, welcome, Brother Adi Salaman, who's the president. Khair. And Sister Sarah Barini, who's on the board. Is that correct? Yes, that's okay, right. Perfect, inshallah. <laughs> welcome, guys. Th- thank, thank you for you. taking Thanks the for time us. to join us. So, first of all, I don't want to jump into the questions too quickly, but... Um, I think it's necessary, given the moment and the situation. Obviously, we'll, we'll have a conversation another day. It's more specifically to do with what ICV does for the community as a whole. You might have to, you might mention it in the answers, but I think one thing that everybody's uh, wondering is uh, how does a peak body rep the Muslim community, or how do you guys respond to the current situation in Palestine? I think I, I might start off, then you can add Sarah, inshallah. Um, so I think what, what people need to, need to know is that the ICV, you know, the, we provide a range of services to the community, you know, welfare services, chaplaincy services, leadership programs, women's programs, youth programs, across the whole spectrum, and we provide advocacy. And that's probably the most important part of the work that the ICV does because we are a peak body. And within the advocacy stream, um, Palestine has been a top priority issue of advocacy for many, many, many years. In fact, the ICV has always been very strong advocating for Palestine, not just in the last 10 days, but this is going on years. Um, And we know that amongst the Muslim community from whatever background, this issue of Palestine is so dear to the heart of so many people. And in fact, I would take it across all of Australia. And in fact, I would take it even further. I would say across the whole world. And I've even said in media interviews that I've had in the last few days, if there's one issue that unites the hearts of two billion Muslims around the world, two billion Muslims around, one in four are walking this earth, is Palestine, which is quite extraordinary that one issue could unite all Muslims in that way. So the ICV, you know, we we we've done many many things in relation to advocacy for Palestine. We've um, we've uh, organised forums, organised seminars. Uh, we've written countless media releases and media statements. I mean, you can count them. I, I, I don't know how many in the last few years. Um, and uh, we've participated in protests and helped organise protests. Um, so, and at the moment, we're, we're, we're finalising a position statement uh, on Palestine, which is really going to formalise the ICV's view on the issue of Palestine, you know, from, uh, from, a, from a perspective of the historical context the current situation, and what we believe uh, should be the actions taken by the Muslim community, by Australian society, by the government, by media, etc. So it's going to be quite a comprehensive statement, 
and that will guide the work that we do thereafter, inshallah, in relation to advocating for Palestine. Yeah, I think we've also done a lot of work trying to mobilise the Muslim community to speak a bit more clearly and confidently about the issues that are affecting them, um, including Palestine. Uh, Most recently, we held a youth parliament program at the beginning of the year, which was specifically focused on trying to educate the Muslim community and Muslim youth specifically about how they can vocalise issues that are important to them and advocate on behalf of the Muslim community. So we hope that kind of, you know, the posts that we're putting out there and the skills that we're trying to impart onto Muslim youth um, are, are helping with, you know, trying to advocate at present. Definitely. I, I understand completely the importance of people's voice and their concerns being heard. Um, but the next question, I think, would be, like, how impactful is that really on lawmakers and politicians? Like, how much impact can it have in, in this situation specifically? Well, I, I, don't think, I don't think you can give a, a, a black and white answer in that regard one thing is clear politicians cannot ignore mass protests now how how immediate is their response is another question sometimes it is immediate um sometimes it takes a long time um but politicians government officials the prime minister premier they cannot ignore mass protests when you see thousands of people on the streets calling for a particular issue uh that just can't be ignored um i think because people have asked, well, you know, what's the value in protesting? Does it actually achieve anything? Shouldn't we use our energies in, in other ways? And I'll, for me, it's not either or. It's and. Mm. Protesting is one element of advocacy. Vocalising our voice can be through protests. It could be through letter write campaigns. It could be through media. It could be through meetings with government and, and MPs and ministers. Um, but definitely protest is important. And it also it gives the Muslim community a chance to vocalise in a physical way. Because people want to feel like they're doing something. I mean, Palestine is so far away. What can they do in relation to that, apart from making du'a, which is the number one weapon for Muslims, donating, which is very important. But also, if you want to actually do something and you feel like you're doing something physically, getting out on the streets and protesting and shouting and raising your voice is almost, you know, you know it's, it's, it's galvanising for you. Um, so I think it, it also has, a, I think, a, an emotional and mental health benefit and be able to do that as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I think we also need to remember, like, we live in a democracy and part of a democracy means that we have elected representatives who are responsible for representing our views. And so we kind of call them the government of the day because anything can change. If the community, the um, Victorian community or the Australian community feel like their elective representatives are not representing them, they can vocalise that and advocate for change and we've seen in the past sometimes it does lead to leadership spills and stuff like that. So I think that that's kind of really important that we need to remember. I know sometimes it's very easy to feel apathetic, but you know if we're making our voices heard by attending these protests, and you know, alhamdulillah, last week we managed to get ten thousand over ten thousand people attending the protests. That sends a message to the government. Letter writing, you know, um, Australian Palestinian Advocacy Network. They have um, a letter that you can send um, by email to your local representatives. Um, you can make your voice heard. I, re- I received a response from one of my local members. So do you know what I'm saying? Kind of just whether we're seeing the change or not, that's, that's one thing. But making your voice heard is the first step. And I think if we as a community, Victorian, Muslim, Australian community, 
stand together, each of us do our bit to make our voices heard. Inshallah, we'll see some sort of change. The one thing that subhanAllah surprised me was how swift and how quick our Prime Minister Anthony Albanese was in condemning the atrocities, I'll say atrocities, that happened in obviously on October 7th, which they continuously remind me of. I can't forget the, the date mm. now, subhanAllah. But um, one thing that he was really swift to do was to push this this narrative that Israel has the right to defend itself. And consistently we're seeing through the media and, and through other sources that everyone's always, and subhanAllah, we are speaking about this earlier just off the podcast, there's this double-binded question saying, do you condemn Hamas? So I wanted to ask, like, how does that narrative affect the Palestinian cause and the Muslim population as a whole? Well, I think it, uh, it, it completely uh, disregards um, the pain, suffering and trauma for decades that Palestinians have been enduring. Uh, in some ways, it's a completely nonsense proposition um, when you're asked to condemn Hamas, um, as if that's the only thing that, you're, that you've been brought here to speak about. Um, have, have, has the media... Has the media ever brought in an Australian, an Israeli uh, embassy official to condemn the numerous Israeli uh, violations, uh, uh, war crimes that are committed on a regular basis by Israel? When they start doing that, when the media starts bringing, and when the, our government, our prime minister, starts condemning Israel for their egregious human rights abuses, their war crimes they're committing, and their ongoing occupation then we might be willing to actually engage in that conversation. But until that point, that's, that's, that's really an irrelevant point for us. In relation to the events on October 7th, we must distinguish, and, 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 and your listeners need to distinguish between two things. One is legitimate resistance actions. It is 100% legitimate for Palestinians, whether they are aligned to Hamas or otherwise, to resist the occupation, to break the siege. Remember, let's all remember that Gaza has been blockaded for 15 plus years. They have no control, the police have no control of their borders. What's led in and goes out is completely at the mercy and at the discretion, at the approval of the Israeli authorities. And on both sides, and it's, it, it saddens me to say, being I'm of Egyptian background, that the Egyptian government is also complicit in this, in this siege of, of Gaza. So the Palestinians have a right to resist that, to break the blockade. And moreover, they have a right to resist occupation. If in the, in the course of doing that, innocent people are targeted and killed, then we obviously don't support that. Clearly, we don't support that. As Muslims, we cannot support the killing of innocent people. Mm. That's completely against our deen. So it's almost insulting when a Muslim is asked, do you condemn the killing of innocents? Because anyone that knows a tiny bit about, about Islam knows that Islam absolutely condemns the killing of innocents, and we know the value of one human life and what the consequence of taking one human life is. So, But you cannot condemn legitimate resistance and that's really what we need to the message that we need to get across to our politicians to our, to the media and to people in general is you must distinguish between legitimate resistance against occupation and blockade and actions that result or the targeting of innocent civilians so um, I, for me it's quite clear politicians and the media are very clever at blurring the lines and it's very easy to say it's very easy to say uh we condemn hamas for what's happened on october the 7th and that's it. And they stop. And Israel has a right to defend itself because it, it reduces the whole situation, the crisis, the conflict to very simple black and white terms. And we know that's not true. We know there's a, a context of 75 plus years 
And the politicians and the media will never actually talk about that. They'll never talk about the broader context. They'll never actually try to explain to, the, to their viewers, to their listeners, to their constituents why Palestinians may want to undertake res- uh, resistance actions, why they may want to be fighting, wanting to fight the Israeli military occupation. Why? They don't want to do that because that's too. That's if they did that, then that would then cast the eye on what are they doing to actually change that? What are they doing to actually call upon Israel to stop the occupation, to stop their blockade, to stop their oppression of the Palestinians? They don't want to get into that conversation. It's much easier for them to actually just condemn these, you know, crazy Palestinians who are who are killing Israelis and leave it at that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the one thing that I was, subhanAllah, just talking about the context of the situation, speaking about earlier with a mate of mine. And uh, laughing about the fact that they feel like all of this has been unprovoked. These are unprovoked yeah. attacks. These are things that there's now two sides to what's going on, even though there's the occupier and the yeah. person who's being oppressed. And subhanAllah, the funny thing is that when, and obviously we're in, a, we're in a country where the death penalty isn't a thing. So we believe that in order for people who have uh, transgressed the laws of the land or to a certain degree, they don't deserve the death penalty. They deserve worse. Mm-hmm. The worst would be to what put them in prison forever. Mm. And what we currently see is an open air prison. It is. And imagine that the person that feels that you're the enemy, they've dehumanized you, they're actually working against you, has control of your natural resources and the things that you require in order for you to be able to live a basic life. And... People don't understand that narrative now and, and, and they keep pushing back and they keep referencing, oh, but Hamas, oh, mm. but Hamas. But you know, you know, so the, 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 out of every disaster, positive things you know, will arise. And I think it's, it's obvious to us and if anyone observer what's happening even on social media, there has, there's an awakening mm. amongst you know, non-Muslims, but definitely non-Muslims as well a lot of non-Muslims are actually not buying the narrative anymore. Mm. They're actually questioning the narrative. And they're actually pointing to what you've just said. So I think, and I said this in an intermediate interview earlier this week, Australia's foreign policy on Israel and Palestine is completely out of step with the majority of Australian public opinion. There has been a distinct change in Australia and throughout the Western world, even in the US. Even in the US, there is a lot more support for Palestine now than it ever ever has been before and that's growing that support is growing because people are just saying well this is ridiculous we can't have this ongoing occupation and this dehumanization um of of a people by israel and the world just stays silent and doesn't know anything about it so i think uh i think this is changing i think what's happening has been happening over the last two weeks i think it's going to push a lot more people to become interested and be Advocating on the on on the, uh, for the cause of Palestine uh, that may not not have been before. Yeah, I think we need to credit social media for that. Yeah. I think the ability for us to kind of see what's happening on the ground unfiltered makes a world of a difference. I think people sharing things on their social media platforms, even though we might have you know a hundred followers, still you're sending a message to a hundred followers who are in turn sending a message to their hundred followers. And I think that that makes a difference. Even if one person gets the message, if one person understands that what's taking in place in Palestine right now is a genocide, that's one person more who knows the truth and one person more who can advocate and 
call for the government to actually do the right thing here. So I think that that's kind of the important shift, you know, even in terms of like attending the rallies and stuff. I think in the past, I've noticed less people who might be walking, going about their day. In the past, they would just continue walking. Now, you kind of observe people in the background will stop and actually listen to the speeches and read the signs and even take photos and try to understand. When we were... um, protesting last week I was holding up a couple of signs and some people actually stopped me while I was walking back to my car and they wanted to read what the signs had said and so you know even though we think that these things are not making a difference they truly are even though we might not see it before us subhanallah that's that's what broadcasted genocide would do huh Mm. we're basically seeing it firsthand even though you have lawmakers and politicians telling us otherwise people can't they can't fight what they've seen now, what they've seen. But there's a real, there's a real battle <coughs> going on around narrative on social media and the media more, more generally around and, – and the, probably the best example of what happened with the, the bombing of the, of the hospital. Mm-hmm. So the Israelis came out initially accepting it was them, then they retracted and then they tried to say, no, no, it was, it was the Palestinians that did it. Um, the Australian, some, you know, Australian politicians initially they, they condemned the kill, the bombing of the hospital, but obviously weren't they were careful not to point the finger at Israel. But this is just an example of how sometimes the whole discussion become is reduced to uh, who did what when, mm. again forgetting the broader context. The broader context we always have to come back to that whenever we have a discussion about Palestine and what's happening over there. We need to always discuss the border context because if you get involved in the details, and mind you, I believe that it was definitely Israel, Israel that bombed that hospital. And there is debate, but that, well, we, aren't, we aren't necessarily going to that now. But even just having that debate ignores that broader context. And that is the ongoing occupation, dehumanisation. Challenge for people to consider. If the Palestinians had blockaded Israel for 16 years not allowing anything to come in and out unless they approved it, completely controlling their airspace, what would have been Israel's reaction? Any country's reaction, Australia's reaction, if we were blockaded for that period of time, what would we have done? We would absolutely have resisted in any means possible. That's what the Palestinians are doing. And I, I think that the, the narrative online, the blame game that's being played is a way to distract us from what's actually happening on the ground. And I truly believe and my biggest fear is that what's happening on the ground, we don't even get even a fraction of an understanding or mm. of representation on social media or in the media of what's actually happening on the ground. And that is the scariest thing to me. I think we need to really open our eyes and speak about the context like Adil was saying 75 years of atrocity of human rights abuses at the end of the day this is a human rights issue it's not about a religion or countries or you know ethnic backgrounds Arabs against you know Jewish people it's not about that it's not not about any of those things this is about human rights and I think that that's what everybody needs to remember and I remember at a time, if we learn from history, which is what we, mm. we basically tell history to learn from it. And subhanAllah, we, we'd speak about the struggle of the South Africans and the mm. apartheid that they went through. We, we noticed that, I read somewhere that Nelson Mandela was on the terrorist watch list until 2008. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Very now recent. he's hailed as a hero. Hero. 
Yeah, a global a global hero. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the same resistance. Yeah. And they even, the, the people of South Africa, have identified that it's the exact same issue, if not worse. Those who yeah, fail absolutely. to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. I think that that's what we forget. It's easy to kind of say, oh, we'll never do this again. But the cycle of history, if it shows us anything, is that we always say that we'll never do this again and these atrocities will never occur again. But then they do. And, you know, world leaders <laughs> kind of allow it to happen and they turn a blind eye each and every time. I think enough is enough. Yeah. You see the recycling of narratives also. Mm. Yeah. You see the recycling of narratives and, and uh, from all of the previous wars, especially the ones that have to do with Islamic or, or, or Arab nations. Mm. SubhanAllah, they, they continue to do the same thing. There's an enemy, there's a boogeyman. Absolutely. They are terrorists. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and you yeah. eradicate the terrorists. As, I- as if you can uh, eradicate a people's aspirations for self-determination. How could how could anyone think that is actually po- ever possible? You might kill s- so many Palestinians, which is what's happening, but you can never kill that aspiration yeah. and that that yearning for their own homeland, their self determination, a life that's free from occupation. You can't kill that. So the Israelis, their their logic is completely flawed, and it's self defeating. They are very strong militarily. I mean, we think we all know we all know that Israel is a very strong military. And has enormous capabilities, defense, military-wise, but also intelligence-wise. Um, but they they can be defeated. They can be defeated. No one ever thought that the South African regime will be defeated. It was defeated. Tyrannies around the world uh, fall, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that that is Allah Subhanahu wisdom that you know nations rise and nations fall. Uh, what's happening now in Palestine? Um, it will have an end, and what Muslims need to do, and what it's, it, it's it, an obligation on Muslims and all people of goodwill—Muslims, Christians, people of no faith—is to actually stand with the Palestinians at this time to make sure that their suffering and their yearnings and their aspirations are front and front of mind, and are not forgotten. Um, we need to stand with them, and us protesting. You know, you asked me a question before about protesting. You know, one of the benefits of protesting is that the Palestinians in Palestine and Gaza who are under siege and being bombed, they feel that people are standing with them because they know about these protests. They hear about these protests. That's a, that's a wonderful thing about mass communication these days. Instantaneously, they know that the 10,000 people in Melbourne were protesting, supporting Palestinians. That definitely gives them some sense that they're not alone. And I think we need to absolutely make it clear to the Palestinians that you are not alone. We are fighting with you. We'll, we, we're going to try and do what, whatever we can to support you. Um, and we're not going to do it for the short term. And this is something that uh, we all need to be mindful of. Mm-hmm. Every couple of years, Israel attacks Gaza, um, bombs Gaza, kills you know a huge number of Palestinians. We all rise up, and then we then we then it, then then it dies away until the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one. Meanwhile, the atrocities, the human rights abuses, the occupation continues. I mean, even in the West Bank. You know, on a daily basis, Palestinians are being killed for no reason. We need to maintain the rage, if I use that term. We need to maintain the rage. We can't just go from uh, attack to attack. You know, so I'm hoping that there's a change now. I, I feel like there's a subtle change in the, in the, I guess, the attitude of people saying, actually, we're not just going to protest every time Israel attacks. We're going to continue to fight 
for Palestinian freedom and, 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 and self-determination. And I hope that happens. I hope people do remain committed to the cause until Palestine does uh, receive, or the Palestinians receive the justice they deserve. Um, I know that when we spoke about this earlier, there's another part that ICV deals with, it's more specifically working interfaith. So you also deal with on a, I'm guessing a weekly basis or monthly basis with other faith uh, peak bodies. Um, what's the current consensus been like? And It's been challenging. I mean, this has uh, been definitely challenging for interfaith relations. Um, uh, you know, obviously faith, faith bodies, they, you know, uh, are, are wanting to um, uh, express sympathy and empathy for those that are suffering. Um, uh, some faith peak bodies, particularly from the Jewish community, you know, would like the Muslim uh, peak bodies like the ICV to actually come out and, and strongly condemn Hamas and all these actions. Um, and we haven't done that. And we haven't done that. Not, again, going back to the first one, not because we, we support the killing of innocent people, but because we understand that the Palestinians are fighting for their, for their, their, their rights. Um, but there's no question that it's created a little bit of a strain, particularly between some of the Jewish, Jewish peak bodies and Muslim peak bodies, um, because we haven't come out there and compl- you know, completely condemned Hamas and almost ignored the, the reality of the situation. So we, and we won't do that. Um, amongst some of the other faith bodies, like the Christian faith bodies, um, I think they're taking, you know, uh, a, a, a careful approach. They know how passionate the viewpoints, opposing viewpoints are, and they don't want to offend either party. Um, uh, some, you know, in private conversations, some uh, Christian faith leaders have expressed really strong pal- solidarity with Palestinians. But they won't come out and do that publicly because they're concerned about the backlash. And, and it, unfortunately, there will be a backlash. If you are seen to be supporting Palestine or Palestinians uh, in any way at this time, you're almost seen as being um, anti-Semitic. Uh, and and as, as Sierra said before, this is not about um, hatred for Jews. I mean, it, all Muslims know the reality. When the, when the Jews were being persecuted and killed and pogroms and genocides against Jewish people in Europe, where did the Jews flee to? They fled to Muslim lands. They were protected by in Muslim lands. We know that Muslims don't have this hatred for Jews. The issues we, we have with Jews are those Jews who are Zionists because of the creation of the State of Israel. If Israel was not created on the backs or on the heads of our Palestinian brothers and sisters, we wouldn't have those issues. If you look at the core issue in the Middle East, it has always been about Palestine. And regardless of attempts by Arab countries and Arab leaders to ignore that, and, and, and start making, you know, you know establish you know, relations with Israel, they're, again, they're completely out of step with their population because you look at the, the Arab masses, if I'll use that terminology, they are 100% supporting the Palestinians. But because the Arab countries are repressive and dictatorships, they can't, they, they, their ability to express that is very limited. Um, thankfully, here in Australia, Syria said we are able to express ourselves, and so we should absolutely maximise that. And we, we know that the creation of the state of Israel is based off of dispossession. Yes. And what people aren't clocking right now, and this is what's obviously racking the brains of everybody who's has at least an ounce of common sense. Like, imagine I tell you that my, my life started after I <laughs> took something away from you. Yeah. Like, 
you are, or my life began from taking something away from you. Yeah. Like it's it's just unbelievable. And interesting, I just want to add to the, the answer I gave before. Many Jews are against what Israel is doing. Mm-hmm. And this is just further proof that this is not a religious issue. Many Jews are the strongest supporters of Palestine and the strongest critics of Israel. They're Jews. And they're on the front line calling for the creation of a Palestinian state, you know, calling for an end to Israeli occupation. It was never about religion. Never, ever about religion. And it was never, ever about hatred of Jews. It is all about the rights of the Palestinians to their homeland, the oppression of the Palestinians and the occupation, and the the theft of Palestine the land of the Palestinians and the homes and the businesses of the Palestinians by the Zionist forces. That's what it's about. It's very simple. And subhanAllah, I was actually listening to one of the things that uh, Joe Biden has said in the past and he also reiterates it now that Israel is the best investment <laughs> for the United States. And if there wasn't an Israel, America would have to create, create. an Israel in order to protect its interests in, in the, the region. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's Yes, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of politics and a, a, a lot of um, merit to that argument. Mm. It's, it's, it's pretty black and white yeah. to me. Yeah, like that. This isn't a, this is not a faith issue. This no. is obviously an issue of politics. It's a completely po- political issue. Completely political issue. Um, and uh, I, I think uh, for, for for us here in Australia, uh, we have a government that has traditionally been um, almost unquestioning supporters of Israel of both persuasions both Labour and Liberal National strong supporters of Israel uh, now that was probably ref- back you know years ago was probably a reflection of the general Australian public opinion but things have changed as I said before uh, my view is that and this is based upon some surveys that have been done the majority of, of, of Australians now have empathy for Palestine and the Palestinians and would support the creation of a Palestinian state and would support holding Israel to account for the occupation. The Australian government, like the French government, like the German government, like the British government, they're out of step. So it could become a political consideration and we need to make, the, we need to make our political representatives understand that by you so um, openly supporting Israel and disregarding Palestinians there's going to be an electoral, electoral consequence of that. We need to understand that. This is such an important issue that we, we won't forget. We won't forget that you have gone and allied Australia so closely with Israel unquestioningly. There's got to be a consequence of that. Because politicians, they understand what, what, what's the language they trade in, what's the currency they trade in, votes. Mm. We need to understand how it actually, it's actually going to hurt them electorally. This unquestioning support of Israel, this unreasonable biased support of Israel... Is going to actually cost them, um, and forget about all of the Australia's human rights obligations and international, you know, obligations, and us being a an upstanding member of the global community. Put all that aside. Electorally, we need to understand it actually could cost you votes, and that's that's a currency they they understand. Definitely. So, but I'm just thinking about this from their perspective, like if the masses. We're what one percent of the population here in Australia? Oh, about three percent. Three percent of yeah. the population here in Australia. Um, I, I would love to know what the, the the population of the masses are on the fence, who can be swayed, who genuinely care for the the Palestinian cause, and then because that that would be 
I'm pretty sure the telling story of whether or not these politicians are swayed and 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 actually start to give on the cause because as you as you've seen subhanallah like yeah there's no well i mean it makes a difference in, in there are some seats uh in you know uh in, in australia that are you know quite marginal uh there are some seats that actually have very large muslim minorities you know it's in those seats i think where our voices can be magnified but i think more broadly i think as i said before a majority of my our view and it's not just my view that majority of australians are now supporting palestine or at least to some form so in some way uh how do we make this an electoral issue how can we make this electoral issue um that's that's going to be the challenge for us i think what we need to remember is it's not just muslims or arabs yeah. that stand with the palestinian people like adil was saying members of um, Christian faith, members of the Jewish community, they stand with the Palestinian people. The, the atheists stand with the Palestinian people. It is a human rights issue. So at the end of the day, it's not just because it's happening to Muslim people or to Arab people that we are outraged. We are outraged because it is human rights human rights abuses that are taking place right before our eyes that the international community, including the Australian government, are choosing to ignore. So I think it's just a matter of, you know, refocusing our efforts as a Australian community and a global community to make sure that we're making our voices heard. Definitely. What, this is probably a very open-ended question, but I'm going to ask anyways, inshallah. What's the strategy for all of us moving forward? Uh, look, I think many, many things. So I'll say some and, and no doubt Sarah will, will, will add to that. I think the number one thing for Muslims and your listeners to do is become educated and aware. Be educated about the history of Palestine. Actually know, because when you're talking to people, you need to make sure that you're, you have enough, solid enough understanding of it so you're actually able to engage in discussion and debate. Second thing is actually speak to your friends and colleagues at work or, or university student colleagues or even at schools. Uh, speak to them about Palestine. But make sure you have knowledge of what's going on. Um, that's number one. Number two, uh, clearly, as Muslims, we know that the number one weapon of a Muslim is du'a. Increase your du'a. Always have Palestine in your du'a, inshallah. Number three, don't donate. Um, but donate to, to credible charities. That's really important, not just donating to anybody. Um, make sure you're donating. And there are a number of credible charities. Alhamdulillah, we're blessed. We have, a, we have a, a, a good selection of charities, many of them with people on the ground in the occupied territories. So select those, donate generously. Uh, number four, uh, become politically active. You know, uh, write letters to your MPs, write letters to, the, to your ministers, um, you know, sign petitions, uh, meet f with, with political representatives, uh, join forums that are talking about these issues. Participate in, in, in protests. Um, uh, I think all of these things have their place and they're all really important and they will all play a part. But the, at the end of the day, what we need is for, for Muslims to become you know, uh, engaged on this issue of Palestine for the long term, not just the short term. And what we've seen in the past, as I've said before, we've seen in the past is that people get really fired up and passionate and then it dies down until the next atrocity and the next atrocity. No, 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 we want that to change. We want Muslims to actually be engaged continuously because there is a, I think there is a, there's a real opportunity now to actually change 
Australia's position on, on, on Israel and Palestine, we need to harness that now. And the way to do it is sustain advocacy. Um, and, you know, politicians need to understand that this is not an issue that's going to go, going to go away. It is top of mind. And, in fact, you know, one question that you know, we discussed off air is, um, or one point that was discussed off air is, is how is this issue of Palestine brought together Muslim organisations? Big time. We're having meetings now, you know, I'll, be, I'll participate on behalf of the ICV with, with, in meetings with other peak bodies around Australia. So I think, you know, this, this issue has absolutely galvanised cooperation amongst Muslim peak bodies. And I think it's really important that uh, uh, peak bodies, Muslim organisations, and there are many, alhamdulillah, there are so many Muslim organisations now, that when they're meeting with politicians, the issue of Palestine is always on the agenda. You may be meeting with your local MP or a government minister about a particular project that you're doing or something, you know, some, some item that's important to you, but make sure Palestine is always on the agenda. So they know that regardless of what else is going on, Palestine's on the agenda. We want, I want to talk to you about Palestine. In that way, we make it clear that this is not an issue that's going to go away. This is an issue that's going to remain and we expect to see us change in Australia's policy. Yeah, I think Adil covered m- most of the most of the points. I think just an overall thing is to remember to to keep it in the conversation. I think post on social media, speak about it with your friends, keep advocating. I think that that's kind of the the only advice that I, I probably have. Making sure that it stays present. I think, like Adil said, we kind of get into this trap and cycle of, uh, yeah this hospital was bombed this week or this um, this block of land, you know, got taken over and then, you know, we protest about it once and then it's out of, out of the conversation until the next time. I think we have to remember that the human rights abuses are taking place on a daily basis and so that means we need to keep shedding light on them on a daily basis as yeah. well. And as we all know, strength in numbers is the most important thing. So if we all move in one direction, inshallah, yeah. there will be a larger impact. From what I understand, both in, in, the, in the legal aspect of things, or in the, in the, with the lawmakers and politically, and then beyond that as well, showing support also gives that solidarity or that feeling to the brothers and sisters in Palestine. It does. We're not forgetting them. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. And they, they, we know that they hear us because we, that we've been told. We've been told that we, we, they know that we are supporting them. We know that we're protesting. That gives them some comfort, you know. And, and the Palestinian people, they need, they need to feel that they're not alone. It'd be the worst thing for them to feel that they've been abandoned. Because they have been abandoned, unfortunately. Uh, and anyone knows about the political reality of the last 75 years. Palestinian cause has been abandoned by Arab nations and Arab governments. Not the people. The governments have abandoned Palestine. Shamefully. Shamefully. Arab governments have abandoned Palestine. It is a source of deep shame and humiliation for the Arab world that they have abandoned it, Palestine. Uh, and it's, 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 subhanAllah, it's an absolute tragedy when you think about the Palestinian brothers and sisters who, are, who have been enduring this, to feel that their Arab brethren have abandoned them. They need to feel that there are, there are people around the world that have not abandoned them. And that's what we need to do. Um, I think we'll just touch on the last question inshallah and that's to do with obviously as we were speaking about earlier we're, we're there's pretty much a genocide being broadcasted so a lot of us are picking up secondhand trauma from what's going on obviously 
we don't ever want to forget what's going on and we want to make sure that we're always updated and, and, and staying on topic and understanding so that when we bring forward our arguments or when we bring forward our reasoning for what we do, there's always that at the back of our mind. But I, I would want to ask, inshallah, for the viewers that are currently experiencing, obviously, that second-hand trauma, inshallah, what's, what's some tips, inshallah, that you would give in order for them to... Sarah, you're probably best to answer this. I think I need tips myself, to be honest. I think it's it's really difficult because, I mean, like most people, I'm scrolling through my feed. If I'm not at work, <laughs> in my free time, I'm scrolling through my feed and I'm seeing atrocity after atrocity. And it becomes aggravating because you feel like nobody is doing anything about it and we keep posting about it and, you know... We keep saying the same, keep saying and seeing the same sort of things, but it's like rinse, repeat, recycle, you know. So I think that there are a lot of people that feel like, you know, hopelessness. I think the only message that I have is don't feel like you're, you know, um, in despair. I think at the end of the day, we are getting the message out there. We're advocating, and I think that that's making a difference. I think we keep by keep by continuing to share s- things on social media by continuing to talk about it we're shedding light and more people are becoming aware and that's kind of like the first and most important thing I know it's difficult to sleep <laughs> I know it's difficult to put the phone down I, I say this to myself before I say this to anybody else try and you know set yourself a cap of a time you know okay I'm not going to look at my phone after 11 o'clock just put it to the side put it in another room if you have to I know it's difficult I'm, I'm living with that guilt trying to you know think about doing things that you know are outside of you know advocacy is really difficult right now because you can't help but feel guilty because you know that there are people who as we speak right now are going through atrocities that we will never understand and we may not even be able to see because it's just not broadcasted anywhere. So I think it is difficult to live with that guilt. But we have to do what we can, and that's working on the areas of advocacy like Arden and I mentioned earlier. Can I just add one point? Uh, and this is in relation to what's on social media. And this is advice I give to my own family. Um, uh, and, I, and I do this myself. I avoid watching videos of dead Palestinians and and. and babies that have been killed I, I don't watch that why because it's it has well, such a, has a tr- traumatic impact on me i know what's happening i don't need to see a video an image of that i know what's happening i don't that, that, i don't need evidence that it's actually happening and but i, I know the, the impact that that has watching this particularly on our young people uh watching these videos you know constantly of dead palestinians palestinians have been blown apart you know Parents who are holding their dead child in their arms, that is, it's just, it's such a devastating thing. It's, 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 it, you can't even, you can't even comprehend it. It's, it's not possible to comprehend it. My only advice is don't, don't, you know, don't, don't be watching a lot of these videos because it's, it's really going to have potentially a really damaging impact on your mental, mental health. I feel like it has a numbing effect. Yeah, it has a numbing effect, yeah. It, it, like to be desensitized, yeah. Yeah, it makes you desensitized, and then it kind of makes what's going on over there kind of normal. Yeah. And if we normalize it, it's yeah, you know, it's it will have maybe a detrimental effect on the cause. I believe that. 
it's mm. a bit it's a bit difficult because in one way you want to shed light on the atrocities that are going on but then another aspect yeah you don't want to be desensitized to what is happening i think it's a difficult balance to find um but i think you have to kind of just try to definitely well i thank you both for your time thank you um not really the best circumstances no. to meet, but may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for our brothers and sisters in palestine yeah, and give them all genital fridos yeah. and uh increase in sabr don't forget guys look we're gonna leave you with this the weapon of the believer, as Brother Adi said, is their dua. And the best time to make dua is just before the Fajr prayer in the last third of the night. So don't forget to wake up for tahajjud and pray that night prayer. Make the dua for your brothers and sisters who are suffering overseas in Palestine and in other countries. But yeah, thank you guys for joining me. That's, that's, the, best, that's the best advice. What you just said, Swahil, that's the best yeah. advice. Jazakallah khairan, guys. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam.